My name is Jody McAfee. I'm the VP of Business Development at a company called Inscape, which is the data services division of Vizio, the smart TV manufacturer. What I'm going to do is let each of the panelists introduce themselves, and then we'll jump into, into some topics. Testing? I'll try this one. Hi, my name is Scott Ferber. I'm CEO and founder of Videology. We provide software to uh, marketers, agencies, and media companies to help them put the right ad in front of the right person at the right time inside of the converging worlds of television and digital video. Can you all hear me? Yeah? All right, great. Uh, my name is Nick Triano. I'm the CEO of Cross Media Works. It's the parent company to a number of media and advertising technology companies, uh, one of which is Cadent, which is a, a large aggregator of television inventory. We provide efficient media solutions to most major brands and agencies around linear television. Another division of ours is the Cross Agency, which is a high performance, it's a performance marketing agency in New York and Jacksonville. And we focus on driving KPIs and attribution for our hybrid DR brands and clients. And the last division is a new one we just announced called One to One Media. It is led by uh, our friends Mike Bologna and Jamie Power, formerly of Modi. And it is a media services company focused exclusively on addressable television. Hi, uh, Kern Shearson, Chief Data Officer of Viacom. Viacom is home to uh, some of the most iconic brands in television and film, among them MTV, Comedy Central, uh, Nickelodeon, BET, and Paramount Pictures. Look at that, the microphones were. We woke them up. Um, and uh, my role spans our uh, data activations across those businesses, including our, our efforts in advanced advertising uh, and uh, bringing dollars in through addressable and targeted television. Hi. Um, My mic. There we go. I'm Noah Levine uh, with Fox, Next, Fox Networks Group, and uh, which includes Fox, FX, National Geographic, and Fox Sports. Uh, my team is part of the Advanced Advertising Products Group, uh, which over, and, and specifically we oversee the uh, advertising data and uh, technology solution deployment, uh, focusing on uh, precision audiences and data activation as well as automation. Thanks, guys. Um, is my mic working better now? Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off with a fairly broad topic because there have been a number of announcements of late around the use of data in advertising and particularly in the concept of audience-based buying and selling. You've had NBC announce that roughly a billion dollars uh, of their sales will be audience-driven. Uh, the Turner Initiative for half of their sales to be audience-driven by 2020. Um, you've got today's double-click announcement about programmatic TV. So a lot of data-driven initiatives, including the recent announcement of the OpenAP platform. So I'm also reminded, though, that I've heard a number of comments in the last few months about the idea that we've always been using data for the purposes of buying and selling advertising. Um, so the question, Noah, that I'll start with you with is, if that is the case, what is the difference between data today and the data that we have been using for 50 years? Great question. So um, I, I would divide the data that we've been using for the past 50 years up into a few buckets. So you have your direct marketing data universe that has been around 
for quite a long while. Um, and then we also have the digital data universe, which has been around for a shorter period of time. Um, and what we're finding is that the data that we're looking at today, specifically for premium television quality content or activation on the on that on such a content, um, is uh, a bit of a fusion between the uh, established direct marketing data universe and the much younger digital data universe. And and some of the key differences between those two universes are that with digital, so many of those transactions and buys um, and forecasts, they're all conducted off of cookies or they're conducted off of device advertising IDs. And they're, they're bidded um, in uh, open marketplaces and private marketplaces and so forth. Um, where Whereas in the direct marketing world, we're dealing with actual human beings. We're dealing with households. We're dealing with people, first name, last name, email addresses, home mailing addresses, um, etc. And and the challenge that we're faced with, specifically as we look at at TV um, or uh, activating in a digital world um, on TV, um, is that. The, the inventory that exists on your television set is not accessible via cookies easily. It's not accessible via device IDs easily. And uh, it's it, what we're finding is that um, taking data, fusing based off of uh, the direct marketing model to PII information to panels is a very powerful thing. And that allows us to activate data on linear and from a connected television set perspective or from an addressable perspective we're finding that it's much easier to transact using personally identifiable information as a key um, or using an axiom id or an Experian id or an epsilon or merkle etc so that's a long-winded example so i want to come back to that because i think that all sounds terrific in theory I want to actually get into sort of the acting upon all of those things, but well, so I was going to actually turn to you specifically because I would think that the evolutionary arc towards being data driven for a company like yours would be slightly different, if not significantly different than that of a networks group. So if you could sort of. So, so uh, what did advertisers and marketers and media companies used to do? Pet owners. I want to reach pet owners because I'm the brand manager for Perina. So what I had to do was I had to model and figure out pet owners and correlate them to an age and gender bucket. Make sense? Now, it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. So if I can't buy pet owners, now I say, where do pet owners happen to be high indexing or concentrated in an age and gender bucket? And then I would turn to two wonderful properties like Viacom or Fox and say, can I please have this age and gender population because I'm Purina and I want to reach pet owners and my research says that that's the largest concentration of pet owners. That's how they did it historically. Today, and in the future what we can do, as Noah just alluded to, is we could actually look directly for pet owners and not have to model them to age and gender and we can use data sets and the types of technology, which we don't have to get into the details of here, 
that was referred to on this panel to be able to say, I don't have to buy surrogates of age and gender, I can actually buy the pet owner. And that's what I would say is the big difference between the history of the way television was bought and sold and what we would call advanced television advertising and what the multiple people in this panel are doing today. And I, I would add to that, you know, targeting the specific content, targeting the specific day part, et cetera. Nick, go ahead. Well, I think the data, a friend of mine said earlier, the data today is just better, right? It's just better. How we use it, which I know is where you want to go, and how it's used by the marketplace is the big challenge. Because the veracity or the efficiency of better targeting doesn't necessarily result in better results. And I think that's... Uh, Go ahead. You're no, ready? Please. No. I think that's, um, that's kind of the evolution of the data conversation. It's great to be more informed, but it does it produce better results. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great point. And it's another area where, based on what Noah said about the intersection of these data sets, right? The intersection of transactional data, digital data, and television viewership and uh, television exposure data, opens up a bunch of possibilities, not just on how we target and getting directly to a package and a guarantee structure where people can transact against pet owners, but understanding the before, during, and after of the television exposure and being more sophisticated about the impact. Because I think historically, you know, and, and this is a short history, but maybe over the last 10 years, the way that digital has grabbed a lot of dollars is by saying, hey, we could tell you what happened. We know that somebody searched and then they clicked and you could track that through to a transaction. And this television stuff, boy, I don't know, you're putting a lot of dollars there and who knows what happened. Well, now more and more we know what happened and we could track because we've got this intersection of identity, persistent identity, de-identified but persistent knowledge of the household at the other end before, during, and after a television exposure. We can build models that express the full value of television and move more and more dollars in this advanced television ecosystem. So I want to get back to what you were talking about earlier and a little bit of what everybody has touched on around the idea that these are some newer concepts and capabilities that are coming to bear in the market. But I can tell you that at least from an Inkscape perspective, what the, the, the hurdles tend to be less about technology and more about operations and business models and even educating a sales force to become data-driven. And so I think where I'd like to start is a little bit of a discussion around things like OpenAP and you know, Turner CAE and the new NBC platform and even some of the work you guys are doing. Where you think that, where and how you think that helps get past some of those hurdles that are operational and, and business model driven. So, um, well, we're Fox, Turner, Viacom. We're we're all very very excited to um, launch OpenAP earlier this month. And uh, for, for those of you that are wondering what OpenAP is, um, OpenAP stands for Open um, Audience Platform. Uh, this phase that we just announced is uh, for linear television, specifically optimized linear, and uh, supporting the ability for uh, buyers to be able to activate a precision audience target um, uh, 
using the optimized linear uh, methodology, which is essentially using a panel, fusing a data set to that panel, and then essentially using content, age, gender, day part, um, as a proxy for uh, precision segments, such as our, our new one that we're, we're using at Fox as an example is self-actualizing truck drivers. So if I wow. want to reach self-actualizing truck drivers, I would go out and I would use a panel such as Nielsen or um, a Comscore or an Inkscape, and I would take a data set and that has self-actualizing individuals as well as... Um, uh, truck drivers, and I would do a Boolean uh, there, and essentially uh, through a data service provider, I'd be able to find this audience um, across uh, the television universe in the United States. And so what OpenAP does is it solves a critical problem that the industry has been faced with, and that is that if you as a buyer want to target self-actualizing truck drivers, you may actually have to buy that on multiple television networks, multiple media sellers. And there's huge operational challenges associated with uh, being able to do that at scale. And so OpenAP solves for really two simple things. The first one is uh, providing the ability to consistently uh, uh, activate a precision audience segment across multiple media sellers and to be able to perform uh, a unified post-campaign reporting for that precision audience segment. Do you want to add anything there? Sure. I mean, just taking that and, and kind of wrapping it around the question of what does this unlock? I think that, uh, you know, at Viacom and equally so at our partners at Fox and Turner, there's been a lot of traction around buying this way over the last few years. But broadly, the move out of an experimental budget where somebody says, I'm going to take 10% of my TV dollars or 20% of my TV dollars and try this advanced thing into the mainstream requires the things that Noah talked about. Requires that they have consistency and transparency in the segment construction across television. It requires that they can look in an apples to apples way at how those campaigns delivered across the television ecosystem. And this is one of the places where, you know, for the last 50 years, to your point about data, Nielsen has served the television ecosystem incredibly well. You talk about males 18 to 49, everybody knows who that is, everybody knows how many there are, and everybody knows how to look at a campaign report to say how many of those folks you delivered. And that allows that kind of consistency, transparency, and third-party trust allow for scale. And what we're seeing now with OpenAP, and in fact, the demand, the, the customers that were pulling us into OpenAP were the ones who were saying, we want to bring our whole budget here, and we want to do it across television, not just at Viacom. But to do it, we can't be in these three little walled gardens or four little walled gardens. We've got to be doing it in one place with a lot of daylight and a lot of clarity around how this is done, what it means, and what we delivered. And that's, that's what OpenAP is doing. So I would maybe just add a not a contrarian view, but a different view, because I do have an agency underneath us. And to answer the first question about, uh, so hybrid DR agencies today, all they do is live by data. Optimizing data, finding audiences, they buy across networks, they do it in a very fast and efficient way, and they care about certain KPIs. 
whether it's a download, a call to action, or anything of the above. And the whole suite, the special sauce is, how do you find those audiences across 80 networks or 30 networks as efficiently as possible? Because the advertiser really just cares about the end result. I think what OpenAP represents is an absolute uh, acceleration of what uh, we do down in Jacksonville and in New York around TCA to optimize media buys for our clients. But it has to go, to your point, it has to be broader than just three major networks. Because yeah. And just to pile onto that, I think you're absolutely right. There's still tremendous amount of valuable work that agencies need to do. Because by the way, it's not just TV networks, it's TV plus digital, plus new advanced inventory buckets, right? Things that are happening on the Vizio platform, in Hulu, in, in, in other platforms. But one of the things that's interesting for us at the TV end of this, because my guess is there were a lot of problems solved on the digital side when it comes to transacting against these advanced segments they could pick exactly who they were delivering to. To Noah's point, we're still delivering in linear environments. And our optimizations are happening at the level of the traffic system in the pod optimization and the log optimization in those traffic systems. And what was happening historically with before OpenAP or before even the advanced advertising platforms at the publishers was there was this huge efficiency loss in between the advanced planning that folks at groups like Modi and Cross Media Works were doing uh, and the way that we traffic, because they were buying these shoulder demos and chopping up the way that we understood how to sell to get as close as possible. But when we know what the metrics are, when our advertising operations people know what they need to deliver against to book dollars, then guess what? That gets delivered at optimal efficiency. It frees up more units in the system to go against other targets because we're not guaranteeing against one thing, but actually trying to service another. And that's really where we needed to bring more demand into advanced guarantee structures so that we could get paid on advanced guarantees and we could be good partners to the media ecosystem that's optimizing against advanced guarantees. What's interesting is that the uh, major agencies who spend the majority of the television money out there, their biggest goal is to find maximum unduplicated reach, which means by definition, they need to have an audience across all the different networks. And without the ability to have a common definition, they couldn't do their base jobs. So for the fact that prior to an open AP or a capability, as an agency trying to plan national television, I couldn't even do it on an audience basis because I didn't understand how different media companies were classifying those different audiences. If everyone could at least agree to a definition and then we can measure against it, we have the ability to let the system do what the system wants to do, which is to plan efficiently and to sell efficiently. And for me, that was one of the biggest benefits of OpenAP is to push the advanced advertising initiative forward in a way that we haven't had the, ch the chance to do yet. So that actually leads into another subject around the concept of standards, because I think OpenAP is the beginning of the possibility of knocking down some of the walled gardens, which addresses some market complaints around the walled gardens. Another sort of market, market ask over the last few years has been standards, which that potentially gets addressed. But as you creep into standards then, what delivers differentiation across platform? I mean, is, is it simply the content? Or are there other... Cross-platform meaning between so TV differentiation publishers? Differentiation between you and Noah and, and maybe even what you bring to bear. Uh, well, I'm we've got South Park. He's got The Simpsons. So that's, <laughs> that's a big that, deal. That, that, <laughs> well, he, but he's got Empire. I, so. I, 
content is a huge playing field to compete on. But then there's also the secret sauce. And the secret sauce is, you know, each media seller is required to bring their own optimization engine to their to the table to uh, provide the best results for what they're selling to the agency um, uh, to hit the new precision guarantee that is being offered within the constraints that have been, you know, um, uh, contracted. So, you know, that, that, those are two very, very large areas where competition can occur. And then you also have the format um, uh, of the, the creative experience as well. I, you know, from where I sit, Joe, side, I like. I would be delighted if Noah made a lot more money from OpenAP, um, because I think that the the gap right now is not about what's going on at Fox and what's going on at Viacom. I think that our collective role, and I think this is probably goes to a lot of folks on this panel and maybe in the audience, is to help help advertisers get back into high quality content with standards around viewability around advertiser safety, that you know, so much money has moved away from this ecosystem over the last 10 years and is starting to move back based on just the ability to do what we talked about. You're doing a lot of work to define a super efficient audience for your advertisers. We need to go ahead and transact and deliver that audience for you and then tell you what happened. And once we can do that efficiently together, then you know, all, I think all ships rise. Sure, some shows are better than others. Sure, some channels get more viewership than others. But ultimately, we need to be smarter about moving the television, the, the super premium video ecosystem, into a more user-friendly framework for advertisers and agencies. So it, th that reminds me, not to get completely off subject, it reminds me of a story my dad told me a while back. He used to work for Anheuser-Busch. And as the Smirnoff Ices of the world were starting to take youth market share away from the beer producers, you know, his comment to me was, I'm not in the beer business anymore, I'm in the ethanol business. Yeah. And he wasn't just competing with Miller and Coors and, and other beer manufacturers, he was competing with flavored Jack Daniels. And in the same vein, it well, is it, in your collective interest to pull ad dollars back from... Google and Facebook, because if they don't do open AP, Google and Facebook already created the search ontology. They've created the social ontology. We cannot allow them to create the television ontology. Exactly. And, and, and there's a huge difference from a competition perspective what linear television or premium full episodic television on a 60-inch TV set is able to offer compared to a YouTube video or compare, compared to a Facebook video that's in my feed, you know, Facebook's guaranteeing against a two-second view, 50% viewable, and Facebook's guaranteeing against a five-second five view. We're guaranteeing against something that averages much closer to 30 seconds um, on a 60-inch television set. And so there's the quality of experience is something that I think you're going to find the television industry focusing on uh, from a competition perspective uh, much more. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if Carolyn Everson's out there. I, I think I saw her at the back. But, but if she is, I apologize in advance. But look, they've got the largest display business in the world. But they don't have a video business. I, I still, you know, um, I think for 
data-driven television to work or to work the way we want it to, what you guys, what you guys are saying is inventory holders is you obviously want a premium for your premium-based content and the use of data to deliver an outcome for an advertiser. And I think that's fair to, to the point that you can prove through the use of data and targeting that the outcomes actually follow. And I, I think we having the right data to target against, to plan against is perfect, but whether it's TCA in terms of hybrid DR or branded DR clients, or whether it's uh, the launch of one-to-one -one media, which is household addressable, the whole competitive advantage or the whole competitive advantage of whether it's hybrid DR or one-to-one -to, -one, to go after the Googles and Facebooks, not really to go after, but to be an alternative is because you can prove attribution. attribution. Right. So I think what, what OpenAP represents and what you guys have done is an absolute. I think I do believe in premium branded content. I think that's absolutely truth. But I will tell you that my, my customer or my clients at the companies that I work with they still have to deliver ROI or KPIs to advertisers, and advertisers aren't necessarily willing to pay a premium yet until they know that it actually is going to deliver more. Can, yeah. can, oh, go, uh, the Anheuser-Busch analogy. So if Anheuser-Busch went from beer to ethanol, I would argue the media companies today have to go from being content and distribution to also being content, distribution, data, and technology. And you would ask the question originally, where do they have to compete? Obviously content's an area because there's different programming. Data, they've discussed the opportunity, but the technology and how they deploy it will make a big difference too. So I agree with Noah well, on that so, point. So I would also say to bring these points together, right, it, potentially, you know, if we're moving, we're still in the content business, but on the advertising side of that business, we're not about advertising, we're about impact. We need to be about results. impact. And I think that the results, now that we've got the skeleton set up, we've got a framework through which we can understand audience, across a bunch of platforms. So now we have a window into results on a longitudinal basis, cross-platform. What do we need to do? We need to help our advertisers discover the impact of TV, and that's gonna move away from a kind of a last touch attribution model. Yeah. This is not, TV's not getting into the DR business. TR, TV needs to pro prove itself again in these new frameworks as the best place in the world to shape intent, brand affinity, create halos, create category engagement, and watch those results cascade over the advertisers in the right time frame, which is not a, a minute, it's not a day, in some cases it might be a month, in a lot of cases it takes longer, and that's why we need better data for the longer term. The, um, the opportunity to measure and attribute has never been greater in linear television than, than it has in today. And what we find from the major agency communities, they actually believe that TV is the core of the ROI engine. So I admit, it might not be the ultimate direct response marketing vehicle by itself, and there are examples where it's phenomenal direct response marketing. The ability to drive return on investment from television is well known. And I think what happened is last touch attribution and some of this, the digital, as you were saying earlier, Kurt, the digital uh, 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 ability to track things. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can track it, I can see it, let me go throw money that way. But now, people are realizing, wait a minute, if I don't invest in the television, which is at the core of it, which also drives search traffic, which creates awareness at the store for people to pick my opportunities, if I don't do those things, I'm not going to get the results I want. So I think this is a great opportunity for the television industry to reclaim a lot of the share that arguably it's lost in the recent years to digital. I, I would just want, want to make one clarification. 
I, if we're comparing ourselves to Google and Facebook and that's the enemy, it has to be about results and a DR-like model. If we're, I agree that TV from a medium and awareness perspective is by far the best from ROI. So I, I don't want my comments to be construed that we don't believe in brand and awareness and content and premium. It's just that if you're going to compare yourselves to digital and you're going to allow yourselves to fall into that game, you have to play at the bottom of the funnel. If you, so I think we want. And I, think I, I, I think it's super interesting. I mean, this it's a great conversation. I actually, I kind of disagree. I think that there is no bottom of the funnel without the top of the funnel, or the bottom of the funnel is really small, right? So what we have Correct. to get to a place is where we can acknowledge. Yes, it has to come out the bottom. You can't put stuff in the top that never finds its I way agree, through the bottom. But here's yeah. a, and, and this is because uh, in Cadent we sell media, so I totally get it. We're going to start the selling funnels. The question is, the question is pricing. Right, you can't charge if you're adding data to linear television and expecting a 50 or 75 percent premium than what you just priced at the upfront because you can target. That's not going to work if you're trying to sell brand awareness. You have to move down the funnel if you're going to get to that specificity. So, I guess you just as we go to market, you just can't be charging really high CPMs for data-driven television without the reliability and the delivery of the of the attribution. So, so let me say one other thing. I think we would like generally it, this is where. This is where we need to still figure it out, right? But I do think, here's how I look at the CPMs we're charging. Television for a long time has been re-expressing household CPMs through the lens of fractional audiences. And, it, and everybody understands that if you want to buy a 50% segment on linear television, you pay double the rate than if you wanted to buy everybody. And while we're delivering in a linear way, that's going to continue to be the case. So when people want to buy a 20% audience incidence, they pay 5x the household base rate. That's just the way that these rate cards work. So from a Viacom perspective, what we're saying is not that you've got to pay more. We're in fact saying, if you tell us who your actual audience is, if we get out of this fundamental inefficiency of you're buying 18 to 34, but you really want pet owners, if we erase that, we will give you a 20% discount against the actual true target CPM because we're going to help each other deliver more efficiently, drive more value, and get this right through data. So data is not an upcharge. Data is an enabler to unlock efficiency for everybody. Well, it could be viewed as an upcharge on programming that was not selling for the same amount of money in previously, like for... Uh, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> I was going to say. It is not an upcharge. Yeah. It is an opportunity for efficiency. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I want to go like back it. to the concept of secret sauce and pivot a little bit to Nielsen. And yes, I just used the words Nielsen and secret sauce in the same sentence. I know you guys are doing some interesting work with Nielsen that, unless I'm missing something, is potentially sort of turning, making something old new again. Right, so right, yeah. so I'd, I'd love to sort of, yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit about so, that. So uh, Nielsen, at least today, when we go out there digitally and in linear, even though there's many other greater data sets and we all want to have the census and we're all driving toward it, for the most part, television has been transacting on the Nielsen capability. So it's important to understand what Nielsen does. But one of the things that we found was interesting is what if we could take the Nielsen data set and actually append all the different types of data that everyone wants to target against against it and then use that information to give people the ability to target beyond just age and gender. And then they, we understand that everyone's buying off the currency of Nielsen, so at least using the Nielsen as a backbone for this to start with allows us to 
bring in additional data sets against this currency and have people say, not to dissimilar to what Kern was saying, look, we'll give you a discount, um, and I apologize for not remembering the exact example, adults 18 or 34, if you tell us that pet owners is what you want and we can bump pet owners up against the Nielsen panel. Now, in the future, obviously, we want all that to be cross-channel because we believe the whole opportunity, as all of everyone here is working on, is that uh, distribution is not just going to be in the living room TV. It's also in our computers and our mobile phones and tablets, and we'll be watching TV and many devices. We need to be able to take that graph and make it a converged graph. And not only does it have to be converged, it has to go beyond just Nielsen. It needs to be census level. We need to have as much data as uh, is possibly available across all of the footprint to bring into it, which is not too dissimilar to what Vizio and other companies are doing as well. So, so that, that segues nicely into my next question, which is getting beyond Nielsen and the concept of primary and secondary currencies and what will and will not rule the day over the next 25 years, what, what other data sets are out there now that and you're allowed to say Enscape, that <laughs> could become primary currencies to some people in the marketplace. I mean, it, I'd, I'd like to sort of hear, I mean, it, it can be Rentrack, it could be TiVo, it can be someone else that it, it could emerge in the next five years, but I'd be curious to, to hear, where are we going after Nielsen? So my crystal ball is really foggy these days. And so what... What, it's his first day at Vegas. Yeah, I know. I know it's rough. So, I mean, what we're doing at Fox and and you know the philosophy with OpenAP is that we need to plan for a multi-currency future. Different agencies, different advertisers are going to have different ways in which they want to transact. They're going to have their own data, whether it's first-party data. They're going to have their preferred third-party data sets that they want to activate. Some people are going to be like, I only transact off of the Enscape you know, panel. There's going to be a whole school of buyers that are like, I'm full in on Nielsen. And then there's going to be others that are like, hey, I'm going for census, you know, Nick's team uh, on the, uh, the, the household addressable side of things. And, you know, whether census is 50 million households or, or higher in the United States, it's, it, we need to be able to support all those types of things because market forces are going to battle this out. But I don't think we're going to have one currency ruling them all in the future, I think, 25 you know, years out. Uh, I think the challenge is it depends on who you're asking. If you're asking the advertiser, might, you might get one answer. If you ask the technology companies in the space, you might get a different answer. The, the point is, um, I think for us, we think a single currency helps. That's a standard. But you have to have multiple different measurement or reporting mechanisms. So you it's hard to, how do you compare the efficiencies of different channels if you don't have a basis for how to do that? Well, it's kind of like Moneyball, a little bit like Moneyball, where you can have different currencies and you, you can have a currency for transaction, but a, a different currency for analytics and you can play something different like that. I apologize. Oh, no, no, no problem. And and not I, I don't want to underestimate the importance of Nielsen. Nielsen is essential to the television economy and especially for precision audience targeting. Um, Nielsen is is a key partner to being able to allow the $72 billion that's national advertising in the United States for television to be able to adopt precision audience targeting. Let me I come in from a different angle without a prognostication about who, but maybe a little bit about what. 
because I think we probably all broadly agree on, maybe not, but what uh, the next generation currencies will be able to do. I think, you know, from where I sit, the next generation of currencies and or currency providers, this is going to be cross-platform and it's going to be deterministically cross-platform. It's going to allow me to look at total unduplicated reach and frequency. It's going to allow me to do sequential multi-platform retargeting from television into digital and back again. It's going to allow for rich first-party data coming in, coming out, flexible in terms of attribution, measuring, measurement, and modeling. Like anybody who wants to play in the currency space, anybody who wants to win as a currency needs to do all those things. I think whether it's from our perspective, from an advertiser's or an agency's, you ultimately it means you're going to have to embrace uh, all of the um, things that are happening in redefining advanced so, advertising. Um, and so we'll see who does that. I think the single greatest opportunity is for telecommunications okay, uh, companies to own uh, this. My first question and the reason I say telecommunications companies, uh, I think there's... How much difference is Telecommunications is companies. And the reason that they're so important is they have consumption and, and audience like, cross-channel, cross-device. Um, and if you could actually bring all that data together, like that? it would arguably be the best sense as possible for the industry for a second. The alternative... So if I understand correctly right now, Facebook, give or take, has about a billion and a half global consumers, give or take-ish, across their properties. Let's say Google has the same, plus Google has Android. The phone, the mobile device is with us all the time. TV's being watermarked the United States of America. It won't be long before the applications on our phone are picking up all those signals, feeding into, the, in my opinion, those data sets, and they could have the census opportunity if we don't get other people to go motivate against it. From from what I was reading, Uber is already doing that, I think. So <laughs> So that's that's a pretty scary it's a pretty scary situation in many respects that if the industry itself doesn't go take an opportunity to bring that data to bear, I would argue people from outside the industry who want the television business have assets that they could bring to bear to go do that. And I'm not trying to scare anyone, I'm just trying to be practical about what's out there. And if I work for Google and Facebook, that's exactly what I would be trying to do personally. So sticking with currency for a second, I saw a comment uh, from someone in an agency in an article this, article this morning about yeah, you know, yeah. certain so data sets that the agencies would like to keep for themselves. They don't um, actually want the seller community to have access to that data. They, um, While at the same time, there needs to be at least some common data language for that buy-sell exchange to happen. So... There seems to me to be a pressure point around so common language versus leverage. Where does that get boxes reconciled? The, the Data symmetry or is it being, definitely is it plays a role in the future of television. And it's, it's not about everyone exposing to everyone what data you have, but it is about allowing add decision engines which exist on the publisher side, the, the media seller side, to be able to optimize for efficiency on behalf of the agency, on behalf of the buyer. But what we as media sellers have an obligation to do, we have an obligation to shift the, we, we have to recognize that the, the audience is subject to the waste. They are the people that have to take time out of their day 
to watch ads that are not relevant to them. And what we have an obligation to do is to maintain television as an ad-supported medium. And in order for us to maintain television as an ad-supported medium, we have to keep the audience there. And so that means, and this is something that you've seen a lot of press on, we're all working to reduce the, the linear ad load. And, and, and this is something that is, is going to become a growing trend because we're competing against ad-free viewing environments. Netflix, Hulu has an ad-free option. Amazon Prime, HBO, Showtime, the DVR. Let's not forget about the DVR. And so information symmetry allows the media seller to do this on behalf of the marketplace. I would just say real quickly, uh, data symmetry, I'm going to use that, which was great. Uh, the whole premise around our launch of one-to-one -one was to take, we, Mike and Jamie do this today, they take data from 70 million homes, seven different MVPDs, aggregate it up, and do provide a standard mechanism for addressability to prove some sort of result. And that is the whole premise of why we launched one-to-one -one with Mike and Jamie is not to be an, a, a measurement company, but to be a solution to provide some level of symmetry across the 70 million homes so that we can get to data-driven TV a little bit faster, at least for household addressable. Just, just for a second, the, um, all marketers want to keep their confidential information to themselves, so there will never be full, perfect symmetry because it's a negotiation. The key to Noah's point is that there needs to be enough of a commonality so the transactions can happen efficiently, but the expectation that I, when I used to work for Procter & Gamble, I will never tell a media company the value of my client and the customer and the data that I have, and vice versa, if I'm Viacom or Fox and I have an unbelievable set of data, I'm not necessarily going to tell every marketer certain things about it if I can use that to help improve my rates for another marketer and an opportunity. So I think we have to acknowledge there's a negotiation here and that both sides will keep certain information to themselves, but if we could just open up enough to improve the efficiencies, as Noah said, we can go very, very, very far. Uh, so we have a few minutes for some questions. If anybody has questions, Lori's got the roving microphone. Gentlemen, oh, can you come a little closer? Don't be afraid of me, Peter. <laughs> One of the trends we've seen is in digital storytelling as it relates to time stamping the content and moving together with the content, how do, are you going to manage that with a lot of the information within the story so the ad becomes part of the linear TV content story? Is that part of your strategy to make advertising seamless together with the content that's shown on linear TV? Uh, if it's okay, I'll take that quick one uh, just for a quick second. It's creative process. That's another whole conversation about how do we change, in my humble opinion, given the data-driven world we're living in, how do we evolve the creative process? Because there's a whole bunch of issues associated with creating television advertising. For example, it costs about a half a million dollars for production per day of a television ad. And if I can't version, do other things like that in a much more efficient basis, it becomes hard to leverage data. Even if I have it, it might not be cost-effective to do something with it. So I think there's this huge element that you raise about how do we deal with the creative process and how do we let data affect that so that we can make advertising better from a creative point of view. From, from a, a media seller perspective working at Fox, um, we love integrated marketing opportunities like that where, where the advertising creative is integrated into the story, it's less intrusive, um, and then there are clear advertisements you know, alongside of that. Um, that's absolutely something that can be data informed. You know, is it something that's automatic? Is it something that's dynamic? You know, 
those are harder things to do at scale across every single platform in the United States. But it's it's something that we is, we definitely embrace. More so on the, the same topic, would you see that embedding metadata into the program feeds for the linear TV delivery might help provide the ADSs with that information that they need uh, to understand what's going on in the program itself? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think we have metadata in the program feed. I think we understand what these programs are, and there are a lot of ways that we categorize content and think about uh, audience predictions, which is ultimately what would result from that, to drive better decisioning around traffic and log optimization. Um, but for sure, you know, that's, that's an area of growth and investment. I mean, we're here at NAB, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, ATSC 3.0, and which is all about watermarking the broadcast with metadata, um, and there's there's huge technical challenges with the diversities of platforms that content is distributed on that are you know essentially has to be solved to be able to extract that type of time coded metadata, um, and but it's it's something that I think everyone in the industry on the content production distribution side we're looking at how can we do that i mean obviously we do that in the digital world within linear we're looking at how can we do that and and how do we leverage that you know whether it's for advertising whether it's for analytics whether it's for you know attribution whatever um it's it's very much on our minds all right one more question anybody yeah do you see um this is for you two guys uh in a linear national campaign, optimized scheduling, do you see a point in time when you would offer an attribution study, say, all the way to wallet spend of the consumer as a standard part of the offering? So uh, with our Vantage platform, that's something we have done. It's something we are doing, uh, and it is a standard part of that offering. So yes. It, it is something we would consider. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big hand for our panel, Jody, Noah, Nick, Scott, and Fern. Fern. Um, so right now, Jeremy is um, scanning you guys. If you want to get copies of the podcast from all the sessions at the Advanced Advertising Theater, um, also we're, we're here for the next couple of days, then let him scan you. Where are you, Jeremy? Oh, right over here. Come over and get scanned by Jeremy. It doesn't hurt and doesn't leave a mark. <laughs> and another big hand for our fabulous panel. Again, all of this will be available on voiceamerica.com. We're broadcasting live today and to Facebook video as well. Thank you so much. And we'll be back in a few minutes with a message from AdMore, who are going to do a fabulous panel on data as well. So stick around to hear from our friends at AdMore, and we'll be back soon. <laughs>